Recording from sunny Sonora, California, this is your co-host Johnny, and welcome to the second episode of the Young Adults Fighting Tobacco Coalition podcast, Jen Green. I'm here again with Chelsea King and Jennifer, and today we're going to talk about uh, everyone's favorite pandemic that's been going on for over a year now. Yes, we are. We're going to talk about all the good stuff, you know, the virus. We're going to talk about vaccines and why you should get them. And I'm super pumped yeah. to be here. Chelsea is totally a pro. I'm so excited to hear what she has to offer us today. And uh, yeah, you're, you're super knowledgeable about this, Chelsea. And I'm super glad to, you know, get to hear your wisdom about this. Now, before we go into the main item of discussion, I'd like to thank all of you for watching uh, our little pilot episode. We appreciate your support, and uh, I'm happy to continue this project. Now, on to the main item, uh, everyone's favorite vaccine. All right. All right. So I just want to let you all a little bit know a little bit about me. I am a biology major. I am currently in my last few years of studying. Um, so I've learned a lot about vaccines and COVID, especially this past year. So I'm super excited to share my knowledge with you. I am by no means an expert, but I have used all of the resources I have accumulated over the years. And they are all resources created by experts. So um, we'll also be posting the links in the description for this um, podcast episode. So if you want to learn more, you definitely can. So let's go ahead and get started. All right. So if I may ask Chelsea, of course, everyone knows what COVID-19 is, but using your smart person biology words, <laughs> please Please do tell. I've, I've no clue what it is. Well, COVID-19, you've all heard of it. But I'm, I know, I understand a lot of people don't have a large biology background. And so I'm just going to break it down in simple terms. But basically, COVID-19 is an RNA virus. So what that means is that its genetic code is encompassed in its RNA. For humans, all of our genetic material that make up who we are is in our DNA. So this virus is a little bit di different. It has an RNA-based genetic code. And it's also a member of the coronavirus's family. This is kind of a nasty virus family that also includes SARS, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. Um, it infects humans, other mammals, like livestock and companion animals. We've all heard on the news of tigers in zoos getting COVID or dogs getting COVID. It's kind of crazy how it can transmit from humans to other mammals and vice versa. So, Chelsea, why is it called COVID-19? Yeah, so it's called COVID-19 because it's a coronavirus, obviously, we all know this, but it was discovered in 2019. So in case if you guys were all interested on why it's called COVID-19, now you know. Um, let's also talk about a little bit of the symptoms. I'm sure you guys have all heard them a million times, but just to give you some ideas, you got fever and chills, cough, shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, 
fatigue, muscle, body aches, and kind of the scariest to me is new loss of taste or smell. I could not imagine losing my taste or smell. That would be miserable. Um, But we'll get into some worse symptoms later on. But yeah, COVID-19, not a good virus whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So Chelsea, you mentioned that, you know, it is a virus, obviously, but how does the virus infect our cells? Ooh, good question. So yeah, the coronavirus um, has specialized spike proteins. And so how virus is kind of made up is usually it has genetic material inside of an envelope or just an outer membrane. And the coronavirus outer membrane has specialized spike proteins. And so what these proteins do is they bind to our cells and they kind of trick our cellular receptors into letting that virus into our cell. So the virus becomes engulfed by the cell. And once the virus is inside of our cells, it's able to uncoat itself and release its RNA into our cell. And then it tricks our cell into building more virus particles, which is kind of crazy. It tricks our cell to make more viruses to be let out and to spread all over our body. That sounds pretty kind of crazy. Yeah, that sounds pretty serious. Yeah, viruses... Viruses so are I might be crazy. a bit rusty no? on this because I haven't about it in years. But does this kind of sound similar to how HIV spreads in the body? Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of viruses spread like this. A lot of viruses, you know, they get caught into our cells. They um, make new viruses and then spread or viroids. I don't know how <laughs> the singular for virus viruses spread throughout our body. So a lot of viruses infect our cells this way. Now, continuing that, how do these vaccines that function off of uh, RNA work? Yeah. So let's talk about first, like what a vaccine is. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all had vaccines before. If you haven't, go get a vaccine because they will help you a lot. But most vaccines just contain a weakened or um, dead part of the virus. Um, And what they do is they vaccinate you by injecting that weakened or dead part of the virus into your body, which triggers your immune system to respond to that and develop antibodies against it. Um, The first vaccine, you know, fun fact here, (laughs) was developed by a man named Edward Jenner. Um, How his vaccine worked was he used the material from cowpox um, to provide protection against smallpox. So he took something that was not necessarily human um, version of pox, but was able to make it as a vaccine against smallpox for us. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. And so the RNA one is kind of different from this, though. And that's what's kind of so amazing about it. And I'm going to directly quote from the CDC here because I can't think of a better way to put this. And they did a great job with it. So I'm just going to do a direct quote sure right thing. from them. So So mRNA vaccines are a new type of vaccine to protect against infectious diseases. To trigger an immune response, many vaccines put a weakened or inactivated germ into our bodies. Not mRNA vaccines, though. Instead, they teach our cells how to make a protein or even just a piece of a protein that triggers an immune response inside our bodies. That immune response, which produces antibodies, is what protects us from getting infected if the real virus enters our bodies. Well, How amazing is that? Well, that that's like you go. That's like really cool. 
Yeah. Chelsea, that's, that's super awesome. That sounds really cool. Um, and that was a great quote from the CDC. Like you said, um, you know, I, I think, you know, nothing's better sometimes than getting it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So, um, did we, I don't remember if you already mentioned this, but, um, you know, COVID-19, the RNA vaccines, do they work? You know, that's a relatively, you know, obviously all the COVID vaccines are new, but, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about um, how the COVID NRA vaccines work? Yeah. So the COVID-19 RNA vaccines, basically what they do is they give instructions for our cells to make that harmless spike protein that is found on the surface of the coating of the virus. Um, like we were talking about earlier, they have those spike proteins all along its um, membrane. And so what the COVID RNA vaccines do is they inject that piece of RNA that codes for that spike protein. And once that RNA is inside our cells, it's used um, as instructions to make it, to make that spike protein. After the protein is made, um, the cell breaks down the RNA, so it's gone. Those instructions are gone, far away from here, never coming back. Um, the cell then displays that protein on its surface, and this makes our immune system think, wait, this, this doesn't belong here. You know, that protein doesn't belong on our cell. And so our immune system is able to develop a response against that protein, Um it's as if if you got infected with the virus. Um, so if you get infected with the virus later on, your immune system will be able to respond to it easier because it's already had built up antibodies against it using the vaccine. Okay, so that makes a bit more sense now. To recap, it's kind of like repurposing the original virus to use it to attack the virus. Exactly. Um, yes, that's awesome it's so awesome rna vaccines are awesome i know they're new i know it's scary but they're so cool we're gonna get into them even more <laughs> you know i'm i'm just gonna hop in real quick because i know you mentioned um edward jenner and i know you know i told you guys in the last podcast you know i'm a history buff you know it's it's important that you know even though these vaccines are new we know that you know vaccinations work like, you know, Edward Jenner, he, um, he made the first vaccine and to prove his theory, he, um, so basically what he did was he inserted, um, pus from, uh, a milkmaid with cowpox and he, I don't recommend giving vaccine, you know, newly made vaccines to young boys, but he did use a young boy and that was the first vaccination. So, you know, vaccines have been along for, or been around for such a long time. And even though, you know, new scary, you know, new things can be scary, we know that, you know, historically speaking, vaccines are absolutely safe and absolutely necessary, you know, the majority of the time. So, um, but yeah, just tell me, so what are more of the benefits of, NR, or excuse me, what are the benefits of RNA-based vaccines? Yeah, I am so glad that you asked. And yeah, so like you were saying, though, with Edward Jenner, it's super important to realize, too, now we have protocols. The, <laughs> everything, like, there is safety protocols for everything when it comes to making vaccines, you know? So don't worry about yeah. that, people. We are safe now. We're not just giving cowpox to yeah, exactly <laughs> all around the world <laughs> to get them vaccinated. 
it's like taking having the chicken pox parties back in the day which made sense but you know now we have the vaccine don't have to worry about the children actually getting t- chicken pox from a chicken pox party or anything mm-hmm. like that it's a lot easier now okay so yeah the benefits of rna based vaccines let's talk about those so first they are non-pathogenic and they are also non-infectious so basically this means that they're not any part of the actual virus so like in normal vaccines they give us that dead or weakened virus and that allows our bodies to develop the immunity against it um this is not the case for the rna vaccine all it does is it gives us that little piece of rna that codes for that spike protein so it's non-pathogenic it's completely safe um they're also faster and a lot cheaper to produce than those traditional vaccines um they're produced in like a laboratory And all they have to do is, you know, map out the RNA code of the vaccine and they're able to develop the um, RNA vaccine. Really, it's rather simple. And this process can be standardized and it allows for quick responses to those large outbreaks and pandemics like what we're experiencing now. That's why they were able to make this so quickly is because they it's super easy to construct in a lab. Um, Also, researchers have been studying RNA vaccines for decades. Um, This isn't completely new. This has been going on for a really long time. This is the first time it's being used, I will say that. But um, obviously, it's been used in many trials and current research is even being done to create vaccines for other diseases, um, even like cancer and allergies. So it's really interesting to see where this is going to take us in the future. You know what? You guys are fine. I'm just a bio nerd. I love this stuff. I am obsessed with it. I'm constantly studying it and I love it. So yeah, it's just, it's just awesome. It's awesome to me. And you know what? You can always learn about it. That's what this podcast is for, to educate people about these vaccines and why they should get them because they're awesome. I, I oh, couldn't have said it better myself. Now, going, going yeah, back so I, I had a question. the example oh, of... Go ahead injecting some poor kid with cowpox (laughs) there's a lot of misconceptions misinformation and conspiracy theories regarding the the vaccine some people think that it's a plot by bill gates to overthrow the world and give everyone autism (laughs) and coming from the idea that the vaccine could somehow change your dna are you saying (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly okay you've got it the vaccine will change your dna it oh yeah it definitely will no no everybody it will not change your dna (laughs) i actually wanted to ask you guys your common misconceptions and that's a good one to start with a lot of people think that for some reason i get it because we hear injecting rna into us we think oh my gosh rna dna you know somehow they're going to be manipulated with each other and they're going to change who our genetic structure. It's not going to happen. The RNA will never enter the nucleus of the cell. And that is where our DNA is kept. RNA never does. Never will. You guys are fine. We're all going to be good. It's never going to enter the nucleus of our cell. And it's never going to touch our DNA. Ever. And as soon as the instructions of the, from the RNA are used to build that protein... It is destroyed by our cell, completely breaks it down, and it's done. It's gone forever. So no need to worry about that. 
Wonderful. None at all. The, this is reminding me of something. <laughs> what wasn't like the whole point about RNA and DNA? Wasn't that in like high school curriculum regarding biology? It, it, should, it should be. be. It I should. don't remember much from high school. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, let's be honest, though. How many of us remember sure. what we learned in how, high school? Many, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is it is no surprise to me that, well, it, it is no surprise to me at all in issues with this much uh, money being cut out of education programs and out of schools, that there might be some people who are undereducated. This would not surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. But. Well, at, adding on to that, Johnny, um, I was going to say that, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, why haven't we gotten a vaccine for HIV or, you know, other diseases? And the main issue, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chelsea, because you obviously know more than I do, but the main issue with why we haven't found vaccines for diseases like that is because of funding and because we have suddenly all this, you know, because we have COVID suddenly, um, you know, we had to pump a mass amount of funding into these vaccines. And that's why we were so able to, you know, pump these out because of funding. So, you know, is that right, Chelsea? You know, do obviously we are funding vaccines for, you know, stuff like HIV, like I said, but is funding one of the main issues for why we don't have vaccines out like that yet? For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's funding is, it's a huge issue. And I mean, there is a lot of funding in HIV, just in HIV is a, there's a lot that goes on with it that makes it really hard for right now for scientists to figure out a way to create a vaccine for it possibly with rna the vaccines you know this development they may be able to but funding is a big issue in a lot of development of vaccines and like you said because of covid-19 you know it's it was a huge pandemic so obviously we had to get a vaccine somewhere so there was a lot of funding going into this research which was why we were able to make one so quickly it all comes down to money in the end, which really sucks. But I agree. <laughs> money makes the world it, go round, unfortunately. It turns out we can get a cure for AIDS if suddenly a whole lot of sub-Saharan African countries find a whole lot of money real quick. So I don't I, have much hopes in that, but I'll still stand It's with very them. unfortunate. Yeah. It, and hopefully one of these days, you know... It'll be less about money, or there'll be some nice billionaires out there who will just put more funding and things like that. All, all, That'd be great. all three of them. I hope all three of them are nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we should just be billionaires, guys. We need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we be- become billionaires, and then we'll share our wealth. You know what? I can I can <laughs> go with that. I can I can really uh, get behind that. Yeah, you can't you can't enjoy all your money alone. So <laughs> right. You just got to make a colony on Mars. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, exactly. That's the obvious answer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just make your own colony on Mars. Everything will work out. No, <laughs> no one has ever heard of Pullman, Ohio. I mean, Illinois. My apologies. No one's heard of Pullman or anywhere else. I'm sure nothing could ever go wrong when you're somewhere and your boss controls your oxygen supply. But anyway, on a less grim note, I apologize. Uh, what <laughs> vaccines right now are available for COVID? 
Yeah, so we've been talking about the vaccines. Um, just wanted to give you guys a heads up on what's available, specifically in our area, because we live in California. Obviously, we all live in California. Um, I live in the Central Valley. I know, Johnny, you live in um, Sonora. Um, Jenny, you live Central Valley, right? No, I live in Northern California. Northern California. See, look, we got a good triangle going here. That's Ooh. good. But yeah, in our, in our area, the viewers we have triangulate um, our location based on <laughs> what we say in the show. And then I get like a knock on my door one day. That would be wonderful. It's <laughs> exactly what's going to happen. Don't do Please that, guys. Don't. Without that, it's Please don't. <laughs> Okay, but let's talk about the vaccines available in our areas. So we have um, Pfizer. Pfizer is in our area. It's an RNA-based vaccine, as well as Moderna. Uh, Pfizer is two shots, and it's separated by those three weeks. Um, I personally got Pfizer. I was lucky enough to get my first vaccine a couple weeks ago. So I'm really excited to go back again to get my, um, my second shot and to be fully vaccinated. Woo. Super pumped about <laughs> it's about um, 95% effective. So really good, very effective. And it can be used on people 16 years or older. So Pfizer, Pfizer's cool. And you got Moderna. Moderna, like I said, is also RNA based. Um, two shots and it's separated by four weeks instead. Um, it's about 94% effective. That 1% is not going to make that difference in the world. And it can be used on people 18 years, years old or older. Let's talk about the symptoms of both of these vaccines. Because um, Pfizer and Moderna, you know, they do have some symptoms that go with them once you get vaccinated. Um, the big one is muscle pain. I will say that I did experience this. Um, when I got vaccinated, my arm did hurt a little bit. Um, not anything too crazy, but it does hurt sometimes. Um then there's fever, chills, joint pain, nausea, and or vomiting. Uh, the reason for these symptoms, it's not because the RNA is affecting your body in any way. It's actually your body, is, it's its immune system fighting against um, that protein that was built. So really, it's your immune system that's causing this pain, this fever, or the chills, joint pain, all that's coming be about because of your immune system fighting against that protein that the RNA builds. And it's not and, and then, it's not giving people like a secret microchip in their brain so that Bill Gates can track <laughs> them, even though everyone has a device that can track them already called cell phones. It doesn't yeah. do any of that. Exactly. It doesn't do anything. It does not. It's super important to recognize it will not trip you. You're fine. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> and then Johnson & Johnson. Johnson & Johnson is one of the newer ones. Um, this one's a little bit different, though. This one's DNA-based. And what it does is it creates... Um, how do I want to explain Johnson & Johnson? So basically what it does is it uses the shell of an adenovirus. And it, most adenoviruses cause like the common cold. Um, this, however, the shell has been modified not to. So it won't give you the common cold or anything from getting this vaccine. Um, and basically it uses that shell to transport the DNA strand to make that a harmless spike protein. 
transfers it to the DNA, and it makes that harmless spike protein like the RNA-based ones do. Um, this one's different because it's a one-shot, so that's kind of nice, but it's only about 66.3% effective. That's pretty good. Um, not as great as the 94% and 95%, but still pretty good. The cool thing about Johnson & Johnson is it is a one-shot, and it's effective currently for all the strains because um, now we have that UK variant. We have that South African variant. Um, we're probably going to get another booster for the Moderna and Pfizer pretty soon, I'm assuming. So it'll end up turning into a three shot to cover those last couple strains, um, which that's totally fine. Don't worry, guys. The shot does not hurt. Coming from someone who hates shots, I was just excited to get it and it did not hurt whatsoever. I promise. It's actually like the least painful shot I've ever got. But yeah, I would say that Moderna and Pfizer are a lot easier to get currently. Um, Johnson & Johnson is typically being reserved for um, communities that are more impoverished, I would say. So um, for those who are homeless, um, to get the one shot is probably more beneficial for them. Um, so typically a lot of um, counties are deciding to save those for people who would only be able to get the one shot or have the availability to only get the one shot. So plan on getting the Pfizer and Moderna. Yes. Yeah. I know. I hate needles. Oh, man. Good for you for being like a blood donor. That is awesome. I did it once. I found out I was a positive. I found out that was the most generic blood type you could be. So I was like, <laughs> well, they don't need my blood. It's fine. <laughs> I'll never do that again. I, I agree with Chelsea. Thank you for doing all of that. that is I remember Um, I have a very odd story about uh donating blood uh but i'm sure we can add that to a future episode yeah <laughs> as i was saying johnson and johnson available in certain areas um pfizer and moderna pretty much more prominent in ca most counties um but why should you get vaccinated that's an excellent question and we're gonna get a little bit into the scary numbers of covid yeah um yeah, this is, I think, is when it hits people most. Yeah. That, man, this is, this is kind of a big deal. Um, half a million. Half a million. Yeah. I remember having a freak out when it reached a quarter million. And that must have been, God, over the summer. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to bring this full circle um, for just a brief second. So tobacco use, it used to be the number one cause of preventable death in America. But that was replaced by COVID. So... Wow. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. That's crazy. Like, of course, this is obvious when I say it now, but uh, th this is massive. We already don't have, whether it be with access to insurance, and I believe before the pandemic, we had about as many like beds per capita as Bahrain and Turkey. So illness like COVID that can get you in the hospital kind of becomes a major issue when you run out of hospitals it's yes that was i think the scariest point of the pandemic was when hospitals i mean obviously everything was scary but hospitals filling up was just oh man and people don't realize that can happen again yeah and i mean I'll, i'm gonna hop into it's so easy for everyone to just you know, well, obviously not everyone, like if you have like a serious medical condition that, you know, prevents you from wearing a mask, but even then, you know, I might say a mask would probably help you, but I don't know, you know, 
in in like the very you know minor minor you know case where you can't wear a mask but for everyone else who can it's such an easy fix for us to just put on a mask when we're in public and you know wash our hands and maintain social distancing all those three together of you know social distancing masks and washing our hands i mean that that has made that will completely wipe out this you know COVID-19 it'll completely you know destroy the virus on top of the vaccines too that we now have and I just wanted to say that you know I think it's I can't remember if it was technically last year or this year but the hospitals were like you know we haven't seen another flu case like last year and I'm I'm butchering this a little bit because I'm trying to I'm trying to, you know, make, I'm trying to be smart like Chelsea, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, Chelsea, have you heard anything like that where, you know, we haven't had a single case of the flu last year because of our precautions of like washing our hands, wearing masks, or if, you know, there is such a thing as like COVID, you know, taking the spotlight, so to speak, and preventing another flu um, virus from, you know, popping up. Do you know anything about that? Yes. Yeah. So there are some studies, actually some research being done now um, about why we saw less cases of flu last year. Um, A lot of the consensus, like you were saying, is because of the precautions we were taking for COVID also worked for the flu. I mean, wearing our mask, um, you know, washing our hands all the time, you know, basically just, I don't want to say really good hygiene, but like (laughs) just being really good about, um, you know, not wanting to pass COVID or anything like that. And so um, that helps with like not passing on the flu or um, common colds, you know, common colds are down as well this year. So basically the, um, the things we have been doing to stop the transmission of COVID has also been stopping the transmission of the flu. And it's really interesting. And like I said, the flu isn't as, I don't want to say as contagious, but it really isn't um, as easily transferred as COVID is. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So maybe this might be a, a normal thing. This might just become a normal part of life, um, wearing masks. And uh, at least when we're sick, when we're feeling sick, um, yeah. a lot of the other yeah. countries do this and it's not abnormal, you know, just wear a mask when you're feeling ill or when you've been around someone that's ill and washing your hands all the time, you know, wearing that hand sanitizer. So, so what you're saying is that I can't go and sneeze on all my buddies. <laughs> yeah, even, I know. Even <laughs> if, like, I feel sick, but I still have to go into work, I can't go and sneeze on my buddies and cough at everybody <laughs> at church. I know. It's unfortunate. It's going to be transition. <laughs> How dare they <laughs> take my freedoms away? Honestly, I hope that we still have like the six feet distances at the store because it's so nice (laughs) feeling like a sardine in a sardine can when I'm at the grocery store, you know, so I think, yeah, I think personally, they should keep these precautions up probably period. I mean, we don't have to wear masks constantly, but I think wearing masks when we're feeling ill or when we've been around someone that's ill and like you said, maintaining at least like a six foot distance or maybe at least like three foot dif- distance in like stores and stuff like that. And 
I think that would be helpful just in a public health point of view. I think it'd be really good. Will it happen? Doubtful. People are already partying at spring break, which is dumb. People don't do that. Don't go out and party at spring break. You know, you want to. Please don't kill your grandma. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Please don't. <laughs> I know. I know it's tempting. Like the, all the Floridians right now, you know, there's a, I just read earlier, there's a state of emergency um, going on in Florida because everyone's kind of making a ruckus down there. You know, it's tough. I know you want to party, but let's wait a little bit longer. Again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To, to paraphrase you, I too love partying, going out with the boys, but giving people a, a contagious illness, a pandemic, but the worst economic crash since the Great Depression, just please use constraint. Your freedom to go and hang out and chill with the boys, is, it, I think, should be limited where my grandma's life is on the line. Yes. Yeah. And it's not just your grandmas, you know? I think a lot of another misconception is, you know, young people don't get it. Young people do get it. You know, I had... Young people have died, too. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually had... I never got tested positive, for sure. But um, my doctor believes that I had COVID-19 last year. And I couldn't go in because it was mid-pandemic. And so he was like, just stay home. I'm sure you have it. I could not breathe. I felt like I was dying. My brother had to come and check on me in the middle of the night because he thought I turned into a zombie. That's how he described it. Because I was like just breathing so odd and I could I just remember not being able to breathe and it was like the worst experience in my life so I'm telling you guys you know even young people you can get it yeah that actually reminds me I'm not like prepared for this at all but I remember early pandemic I wrote a poem about COVID and I'm not sure if I could find it real quick but it was an awesome poem and maybe next time I'll have to read it or something but Oh, yes. No, no issue. (laughs) Don't you worry. I have the power of editing. Oh, that's true. Well, let me see if I can find it. (laughs) What what I'm going to do, actually, is that the audience right now is going to hear a... So to jump in, I did find my poem that I actually wrote on April 11th, 2020. Do you guys want to hear it real quick? Yes. Yes, we'd love to hear it. All right. So I haven't read this poem in a while, so hopefully it's still as good as I remember it. But I wrote this April 11th, 2020. So it's been a while, um, but this was a poem that I wrote called Unable to Breathe. Can I see my family? Only to say goodbye. Very weak, I'd sigh. I love you before I die. Unable to breathe. Can I rest for one moment? On my feet all day, vain in my attempts to save those in my hospital ward, drained of time, energy, and resources. Unable to breathe. Continuously stalking on these grocery store shelves, veiling a society falling into hell. Doing this while wearing a mask, unable to breathe. 
capacity at its high as I tow onto the next city. Vast in the road before me, I have to keep going, driving to supply those in need, unable to breathe. Camped out in my home, outside I cannot go. Valid is the fear inside my own head. Daily to contain the spread, unable to breathe. Can I go outside? Oh no, not today, sweetheart. Very soon, hopefully. I don't understand. Describe the why to a four-year-old, unable to breathe. Contained from my love, only for a little while. Victory will be ours. I say while we are. Distance apart, unable to breathe. Thank you. I didn't expect to get emotional when I read that. Yeah, but, I, didn't, um... I didn't either. That was a bit <laughs> gut-wrenching. Oh that was goodness. so beautiful, yeah. though. That was such a good poem. Thank, it was. thank you. Yeah, thank I am. Um, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. I I wrote this when I was working in a grocery store, and oh god, I know it sucks wearing a mask, and you know, depending on the mask you wear, it really can be um, hard to breathe, and it does suck. But um, I mean, that poem was also about you know, it has things about. Um, mental illness and isolation um just unable to escape pretty much so um that's kind of the summary of the inspiration of why i wrote it and um yeah i didn't expect to get emotional reading that so i'm glad i was able to share that with everyone and hopefully you liked it um i definitely should have prepared a little bit more but um yeah like i said thank you guys for listening to that um I didn't get to share it with a lot of people. So I hope, I hope you guys liked it. So thank you. And then now we're in the future where you said your poem. It was beautiful. Thank you so much, Jennifer. (laughs) all right so do we want to go over uh do we have any other points we can go over regarding the uh vaccine chelsea Uh, i don't think so i think we got through the major ones unless you guys have anything else to add you're more than welcome i don't i don't think so i think more than anything that this topic is just a trash fire can't stand even thinking about it because it's just so miserable and so many people who really didn't need to die have died and so many people who've been hurt by this have got hurt and there was no need for it i think uh the last year has just been eye-opening and world-shattering for millions and i i'd like to say thank you for kind of at least in a way, saying that it will get better. That we, in fact, do have a vaccine. It's not going to mess with your DNA and give you super autism AIDS, like some crazy conspiracy theory says. It's literally just a vaccine. Exactly. And, you know, we have to trust. I know it's hard, but you... And especially, like we said, like a lot of people... Obviously, are not bio nerds like me, but trust trust doctors. 
truck scientists, trust the researchers that have been working on this. And, you know, they're not out to get you. They're out to help people. And so, you know, trust the science. It's not a bad thing. I promise. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. Today, we talked about COVID-19 and gave you the facts about the different vaccines out there. And again, we want to thank you guys for listening. This podcast is made possible through listeners like you. And we can't wait to discuss more uh, issues with you in the future. And we'll see you next time. Again, thank you for listening to our YAFT podcast. And this is Johnny, Jennifer, and Chelsea signing out and thanking you guys again for listening.